Hi, everybody, and welcome back to the Creative Kindergarten Podcast. My name is Amanda, and I'm an early childhood educator in Ontario, Canada. And this is the book club episodes where I am reading Literacy Foundations for English Learners, and I'm sharing my thoughts, ideas, and learning after reading each chapter. This week's chapter is number seven. I can't believe we're already on chapter seven of this book. I find that the learning is so amazing and I'm trying to make sure that I'm taking my time and reading each of the chapters and soaking in all of the information in each of the chapters so that I can really use it in my classroom because there's so much good information in it. But this week we're talking about vocabulary instruction among English learners and just like I find most chapters in this book and especially even last um, last week's chapter chapter five where I talked about even though this book is so focused on English learners and that is such an important aspect of my instruction and um, planning for my kindergarten class so many of these things are just fantastic for all of my kindergarten students not just my English learners and so again like the good for one, good for all model is really being applied again this week. So even though um, this book is focused on English learners and this podcast um, series is focused on English learners, I'm just going to be talking in general a lot about how reading this chapter has kind of refocused my energies on my energies, my energy on teaching vocabulary in the classroom with all of my students. Because yeah, just as we'll find out throughout this chapter, it is such an important foundational skill that my students will need to become excellent readers. So I don't even just want to focus on, like I would never just focus on a skill with an English language learner, but I really want to make sure that this um, vocabulary instruction is embedded for all my students. And then kind of tweaking it a little bit for my English learners as well, but I'll talk about that. And I did touch on some of the stuff that I do um, in last week's episode, but I will um, probably repeat some of the things I said last week. So I apologize for that if you just listened to last week's episode. But I think that, you know, hearing it a couple of times um, might spark some ideas for your own classroom or, you know, um, be able to bring some new learning to you as well. So Let's jump into chapter seven, vocabulary instruction among English learners. So I have known for a long time how important vocabulary instruction is for kindergarten, but it hasn't been until the past couple of years when I started my journey around structured literacy instruction and my learning around um, the science of reading that I've really honed in on like explicit vocabulary instruction for my students. And on page 18, um, it really delves into the like the core as to why this needs to be a big part of our kindergarten programming where they talk about how vocabulary knowledge more than any other factor is attributed to EL's academic success or struggles. So, you know, we're thinking about how can we embed more vocabulary instruction into our classroom so that our students can be successful. And I know that they said 
attributed to EL's academic success or failure. But at the same, like, as I was reading that, I was just thinking about all of the students in my classroom. You know, um, I read a book a long time ago now. I think, well, a long time ago. I think it was like three or four years ago where it talked about how socioeconomic conditions of children can affect the um, experiences and the language that they are exposed to as, you know, young, young children and how that affects how um, they learn and how they become readers as they grow older. So even though I know that the lens of this book is on English language learners, I kept thinking back to all of my students in the classroom who might not have been exposed to, you know, the vocabulary that they need in order to be successful um, in their academic careers. So again, that good for one, good for all model, like I don't want to just focus on vocabulary instruction with my EL students. I also want to make sure that I'm giving that opportunity to all my students as well, because Maybe they even know a word, but do they really deeply know the words and um, that like, you know, they talked about like having um, really what does knowing a word mean? So that does they are they able to discuss, read and comprehend content related text to support academic learning? Like, do they know that word enough to be able to do that? So any kind of vocabulary instruction, I think is going to be really powerful for all of my students. And then like specialized vocabulary instruction for EL students as well so that they get just a little bit more um, in the English language as well. But thinking about teaching our students about vocabulary and how do they, how do we know when we really have taught to them the meaning of a word and how, you know, that becomes part of the uh, synapses in their brain and how they're able to, to retrieve a word and use it within context and read it and understand it within text. Like, how do we really use vocabulary in our classroom and teach vocabulary in our classroom so that becomes something that students are able to do? And it really touched on that in that first part of the chapter where they talk about explicit instruction and using the word repeatedly in a variety of contexts. So I wanna make sure that I'm not just talking about a word one time, like say we're talking about butterflies, the life cycle of a butterfly, and we're talking about metamorphosis. And I use that word one time, I say, oh, you know, butterflies go through metamorphosis. And then that's the only time I say it, and I never use it again in the classroom. Like the kids are not gonna know what that means. They're not going to be able to use it. If they encounter it in a text later on, they won't be able to read it, understand it, or understand the text that's going on around it. So how can I, as an educator, ensure that I am creating a deep understanding? Well, I'm gonna explicitly teach that word. We're going to you know, clap it out. We're gonna say the word. I'm gonna talk about the word. I'm going to show pictures of what that looks like. I'm gonna talk about it within context of that lesson, but then I'm also going to come back to it. So I'm gonna make sure that I am coming back and reusing that word in a different context. So maybe we're using it you know, during an English, like we were talking about it during a science lesson, during um, learning about the life cycle of a butterfly, but then I might use it again, maybe when we're talking about something during an English, I can't think of any 
what a reason why I would be using it for an English lesson, but my, or maybe we're using it during a math lesson or an art lesson. And so we're using it cross curricularly and so that um, students can start, you know, to build those synapses in their brains and like store that into their long-term memory. Cause that's really what we want. We want students to be able to recognize that word and store it into their long-term memory. Of course, with my EL students, um, we have a lot of students who are have recently moved to Canada and they are literally learning like just basic oral language skills and vocabulary skills. So I talked about this last week in the context of fluency, but even my CVC words, like a word like map or a word like cup, where my students might not even have um, the English language word for it, but they probably do have that word in their first language. So how do I build that bridge for them? And I can, there's a variety of things that I've done in the past. I can look up that word in their um, native language so that I can use their word in the native language and so that they can build that connection between the word that they already know and then this new word that they're encountering. I also like to use visuals for them as well so that they have, have an image in their brain of like what I'm talking about. So if they're reading the word cup, um, the one, the cards that I have, you flip them over, they have a picture on the cup of a cup on the back. So all of a sudden, even if I'm not using their, the word of cup in their native language, they can probably make that connection themselves in their brain at this point, because they can see the word of uh, the word cup. So for my EL students, even though, you know, metamorphosis might be too big of a word for us to um, start breaking down for them, doing that on a much simpler note um, for my students as well, you know, using um, cup in a variety of contexts might also help them as well. This happens regularly throughout the day. I will notice things that they're interested in and I will give them vocabulary words. I try to simplify so that I can really build a strong uh, vocabulary. One day this past week, I was sitting outside with one of my um, English language learners and she was very interested in uh, finding out what all the words were for uh, things on our body. So she was pointing to eyes um, and nose and mouth and she had all of those words. But then she didn't have words for eyelashes, teeth, lips, um, eyebrows, cheek. And so she kept pointing to different areas on my body and she was um, asking for the word and I would say the word and then she would repeat the word. And then I was trying to build some more knowledge where I would go, I'm blinking. And then I started blinking my eyes or um, my eyelashes are black. And so just trying to build in that vocabulary with her, she was loving it. It was more of like, you know, that play-based learning in Ontario where we're following the interests of the child. That's what she was interested in that moment. And she was able to like, you know, build that real life experience with all of those vocabulary words that, you know, she will be encountering in the English language. But she already had those words in her native language. It's just giving her those words in English so that she can make those connections as well, which I think is really important. One of the pieces that they talk about on what page 123 is something that I think I've mentioned before on this podcast episode, on this podcast series, but I think it bears repeating over and over and over again. And I love that this book does explicitly talk about this as well, is that um, 
we have to continue uh, encouraging families to use it to use their native language at home. This is something that um, speech and language pathologists have been talking about for years within our school board and have talked to um, educators about for years in our school board. Uh, if a family and parents or caregivers are also English language learners, they probably, I'm just going to talk generally, this is not the case for everybody, but they generally will have a richer vocabulary in their native language than in the second or third language, fourth language, however many languages that they're learning. So what we want to make sure is that we're continuing to encourage families to speak their native language at home because their vocabulary is going to be so much richer in their native language. So we want to ensure that you know, we are building that strong foundation for students in their vocabulary skills. They're developing that strong vocabulary in their native language and then providing strong vocabulary instruction at school so that that transfers over for them. And so over the years, I've heard educators say, and I'm not a perfect educator, but I have heard other educators say, and I'm not disparaging them, anything like that. It's just something that I've heard is that they've said things like, oh, you know, you should speak more English at home with your child. Or, you know, make sure you're speaking English at home to your child so that they start to understand English. And this is kind of um, counter to what we actually want families to do, which is continue to build strong vocabulary skills in their native language at home so that at school we can transfer those vocabulary skills into English, which I think is really important. One thing about this chapter is that later on, it definitely gives some amazing strategies for teaching vocabulary skills in our classroom. Uh, they talked, the first one that they talked about is uh, shared book reading. And if you listen to my regular Creative Kindergarten podcast, or if you follow me over on my Instagram, you know that I'm a huge fan of multi-day um uh, picture book readings. And one of the key focuses of that is on vocabulary. I started this last year after learning more about structured literacy instruction and the importance of vocabulary. I wanted to build in more vocabulary instruction into my classroom. And so I've done a three day shared reading. In the book, they talk about a five day shared reading plan and, and they're very similar, but theirs is just stretched over five days where mine is over three. And I think it is so important that you as an educator, you figure out what works for you, you figure out a plan that works for you. But if this is something that you're interested in um, seeing more or learning more about how I do it, again, I'm not an expert, but it's just something that has been successful in my classroom. Um, I share a lot of my three day shared reading plans over on my Instagram. So make sure you're following me there. But I do have a podcast episode about my three day shared readings that I will link in the show notes for you as well. So you can go and have a listen to that if it is something that you would like me, uh, would like to just hear me talk more about because I guess um, after this podcast episode, you might want to listen to my voice even more. One of the other strategies that they talk about in this book is uh, instruction on cognates. Cognates. This was a new vocabulary word for me in a chapter about vocabulary, there was a new vocabulary word for me that I had to take a moment to um, put into my own brain and my own long-term memory of understanding of what it is. Uh, I, again, sometimes I don't know if I'm pronouncing words properly because I've never heard them said out loud, but 
These are words that are across languages that are similar in spelling, meaning, and etymology or word history and origin. And so if you have an understanding or if you build connections across um, languages uh, with your EL students about what words might be similar, what words have the same meaning for them so that, you know, they start to build those connections faster. Uh, I do think it would probably like this is me just wondering, I guess, more than having any kind of actual knowledge. I wonder if it's um, easier to do this with like Spanish language words or French language words uh, instead of, you know, other words like in Cantonese. I don't know how easy it would be to be able to find uh, cognates, cognates, oh, I'm not sure how to pronounce that. Um, so I just wonder about things like that. And that would be something that I would have to look up. Um, as well. At the ending of this chapter, after they've talked about all these strategies, they have a conclusion with a really great quote that I wanted to make sure that I point out. Uh, I think in last week's episode, I talked a lot about our Ontario kindergarten program and the play-based learning that was happening within that Ontario kindergarten program and how we kind of went very far into the play and the learning that can take place in a play-based learning classroom. Again, I'm going to reiterate like I did in the last podcast episode where I do think play is a very important and is a great place to practice um, rich vocabulary and a place where students can really try out new words, hear words with their friends and their teachers. And it's a really great place to uh, use vocabulary. But I also have to, Renault, really think about using and teaching vocabulary explicitly in the classroom, which I think with our kindergarten program and the understanding with educators around our kindergarten program in Ontario is has been lost over the years. And I want to make sure that I'm really um, focusing in on this um, last kind of paragraph on page 138 of the book, where even though, yes, I am using that rich vocabulary across curricular areas, I'm using it, you know, while we're playing outside at recess, while we're like playing in the gym, while we're in the dramatic play center, I also want to intentionally structure the classroom learning environment for frequent, explicit, and varied vocabulary building throughout the school day so that learning new words in a second language is not left to chance and informal teachable moments. This really rang true to me because we often hear about these informal teaching moments in a play-based learning program and how students will just learn through play. And I think that that was an approach that was seen a lot over the past few years. And as our understanding of how students learn how to read grows, our understanding that students need explicit literacy instruction is really important. And building vocabulary into that is very important as well. Um, So I'm going to continue the quote where it says, although informal opportunities to use new words are important, so that would be through play, they do not provide sufficient robust exposures to new vocabulary use that can only take place through intentional planning that emphasizes deciding which words to teach and which word building strategy is most appropriate. And so really thinking about that as a kindergarten educator in a play-based kindergarten program, how am I teaching vocabulary words to my students, teaching new vocabulary to my students, 
my especially for my EL students and not leaving it just for you know open play opportunities and hoping that they pick up all of these words um, because I do want them to have successful careers um, wherever they choose to go to school in whatever language that they choose if they choose to um, continue their studies in their native language that's great if they choose to continue to st- uh, their studies in in English, I want them to be able to be successful and teaching them those vocabulary words, as said in the beginning, is like a huge indicator of their academic su- success. And I don't want to leave that up to chance. I really want to have that explicit instruction. So the question that I'm posing to you after reading this this chapter of the book and the one that's going to be up in the forum is going to be number four from the extended reading and application activities at the end of the chapter. And then it's very simple. What are your goals moving forward? And mine are that I'm going to continue my three-day shared reading plan where I am intentionally picking vocabulary words out of picture books to deepen my students' vocabulary exposure and knowledge through picture books. But I also want to make sure that I'm using those books not the books, the words cross-curricularly and making sure that my students are developing that deep understanding of the word. I also started um, this with our shared reading poem last week where I picked out key vocabulary words from an Earth Day poem that we were reading, the Reduce, Reuse, Recycle, where I printed out um, those words with pictures of what they are so that we could talk about each one of those words and really deepen our understanding of what does recycle mean, what does reduce mean, what does reuse mean. And even though those sound like simple words as for at first, if I asked my students, what does reduce mean? They couldn't really tell me. <laughs> like they didn't have that deep vocabulary knowledge to be able to tell me, you know, that reduce means that we're going to use less of something, we're gonna buy less, we're not we're going to, you know, consume less of something. And so being able to explicitly talk about what that those words mean. And then I was also able to throw in for my other for my students that could um, were ready for this some morpho- morphological practice where we talked about the prefix re like the re they noticed that that was at the beginning of all three words so what does that prefix mean and what else could we apply that prefix to so it became really important to build that vocabulary with my students which i think was really important and it was very intentional And I'm really hoping that building those things into my day-to-day routines and things that we're already doing um, will build that vocabulary knowledge with my students. But I would love to hear what your goals are moving forward around vocabulary instruction. That will be the question in the forum post for this week's podcast episode. I will link that in the show notes for you. And um, it's just available on my blog. If you're not already following me over on my Instagram, that would be great if you could go over there and follow me because I am sharing my three-day shared reading plans for the books that I'm reading every week. And so that way, um, if you're looking for ideas, some vocabulary ideas for different books, that'd be a great place to start. Uh, I want to thank you so much for joining me again for uh, the book club episodes. Make sure you're following me on whatever podcast platform you're listening on so that you know whenever I put out new episodes of either the book club or my regular podcast episodes. 
and I hope you have a great day. I will talk to you guys again for chapter eight. Thank you.